everybody and welcome to the No Name Musicast, um, our podcast where we discuss all things about music and the conversation goes who knows where. Um, I'm Tim Hi, and Joy's Joy. here too. And um, I have a topic this week and as usual we don't, dis- we don't speak about the topics before we actually do the record. So my topic for this week is the Rock and Roll Hall oh, of Fame. Oh, that's a very specific topic. So, yeah, so the question is, I've been to the Rock okay. and Roll Hall of Fame, and I don't know whether... Did, I've have seen you it ever from been the outside, but I've never been time? inside of it. Okay, but you know they have the nominees for I mean, yeah. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I know the basics of it. It's in stuff. Ohio, right? That's correct, in Cleveland. So, having been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and you see the nominees mm-hmm. that come out, what what do you think about artists who I wouldn't call rock and roll being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because when I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last, there's a whole section about rap okay. and hip hop. Now, you know, people, I'm not a fan, but people like that stuff. But it's not it rock is. and roll. And if it's and if it's in there, shouldn't it be called the well, music hall of fame? if you think fame? about it, what's weird is look at like the Grand Old Opry. When they do their honor inductees, it's strictly country. That's what their, their mainstream yeah. is. But I'm curious... Do you know the history of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Like where it started or what their point was? I don't. So I was curious to see what the, I was going to Google it and see what they say. Let's see. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been, I mean, I've been So it been literally says there. the history of rock music as what they're basically, what they're there for. So it is kind of weird. And I mean, I guess when you went in, was it like a separate section or were the, all the artists mixed together since I've never been inside? How is it set up? Well, the way it's so much like any museum that you've been to, sometimes they have exhibits. I I think I was there one time and they had like a Pearl Jam Mm -hmm. exhibit and they had a Who exhibit. And um, and then they have other display cases where they have certain instruments and clothing and song lyrics and stuff. And, you know, it's it's together. Some things are grouped together and some things are all all apart. And they actually when I was there, they had a Beatles exhibit. They had the um, Mellotron that Strawberry Fields is played on and they had Ringo's number one Beatles drum kit there. And, you know, all cool, super, yeah. super cool stuff. But they had a they had an area in there which was rap and hip-hop. And I remember saying to Hannah at the time, um, you know, this is cool and all if, you, if that's the sort of music you like, but it's not yeah, rock and roll. Yeah, it does seem like it's becoming a little bit, because the idea is, and I mean, it's kind of like I was saying with the Grand Old Opry, if you go to, like, the old Motown um in Detroit, they've got like, you know, a museum and a setup and it's strictly set up for Motown. It's weird. But I mean, I would it probably wouldn't bother me if it was just like a little separate, like, here's some information on the history of rap music if you want to go to this side. But are they like inducting them like they're gonna be in the Hall of Fame forever? That's kind of weird and it kind of takes away from the whole point of their name being Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm just bringing up the the 2021 okay. inductees of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, I mean, people who I would consider quote unquote rock and roll, you have Iron Maiden, the Foo Fighters, Devo, maybe New York Dolls, Rage Against the Machine. And then you got your T- Tina Turner and even like maybe Dion Warwick, Carol King. I mean, you could probably just about say that they're, rock and roll but then you've got mary j blige and then you've got ll cool is on this list yeah yeah and i i just so that is kind of weird it seems it just it takes away from the idea that this was celebrating rock music so i'm looking at this and this just came out recently but they're talking about they're talking about changing venues too 
Interesting. Yeah, I see like Jay-Z was yeah. on the list. That seems to be the biggest one. Um, yeah, I don't think I appreciate I, I feel like if they're going to do that, it should just be Music Hall of Fame. But if someone's going to visit the venue, they're expecting Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Plus, doesn't it kind of take away from their history where they've been honoring, like, let's say, I'm sure Elvis, you know, the Beatles, all of these people that kind of made rock and roll music? Um, mm-hmm. Then, But then if you really get into it, genres, there's like, what, how many different types of rock and roll music? There's tons. So I guess that's the thing, too. Sure, yeah, I mean, and yeah, and then that, and that's the thing, because rock and roll is 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 very broad because you can have um like you say you can have elvis you can have buddy holly you can have um, rod stewart uh, it's a different sound big, yeah. big popper yeah and then you get to the 70s rod stewart and then you get like into the 80s i mean like survivor or whatever you could say is rock and roll and then even like in contemporary times you could like the inductee the foo fighters you could say that's rock and roll and then uh, to me rock and roll denotes that it's some kind of guitar based music what's the definition of rock and roll just out of curiosity let's see the definition of rock and roll. It was a phrase that was that was um, coined by a DJ called Alan Freed. So it says, I do know that. It's a noun, obviously. A type of popular dance music um, origin, originating in the 1950s, which makes sense, because then you've got like the rock around mm-hmm. the clock and that kind of stuff that was becoming popular. Rock and roll was an algorithm mm-hmm. of black rhythm and blues and white contemporary country music. Oh, that's interesting. So they're saying rock and roll was actually a mix of like rhythm and blues and country music. And it usually has Mm -hmm. a 12-bar structure and an instrumentation of guitar, bass, and drums. So that makes sense. And then if you're going to use that kind of structure, then those songs aren't really following that structure. So, because, I mean, I I don't know about you, but I I can't think of a Jay-Z song that follows a um, 12-bar structure. 12-bar structure. Well, to be honest with you, I don't think I've ever heard a Jay-Z song. That doesn't shock me in any way. (laughs) (laughs) but really i would imagine the person who invented rock and roll like the original rock and roll a lot of people would try to claim elvis or something but it was probably an african-american person almost like i bet if we really looked into it it would probably be like a chuck berry of the world or something i don't know who the first original rock and roll artist was but i could guess it's probably somebody in that realm it's for yeah. I mean, I mean, certainly you, you mentioned Chuck Berry. Chuck, I mean, certainly in the in the realm of the guitar world, they say you know who's the most influ- influential guitarist. And people say Jimi Hendrix. He's not my favorite, but um, Eddie Van Halen or Jimmy Page or Jeff Beck or Eric Clapton. And really, the most influential guitarist of all time. See, is and Chuck that's Berry. something that I find very interesting, or what I think is kind of interesting. And when we're talking about rock and roll's historic, is one of the things that I fell down the rabbit hole of researching is the whitewashing of music. So it's a very common thing, and you know this is a common trend for a song to be done by an African-American artist, and then a white artist does it later, and they put their own spin on it. Even the Beatles did it, guys. It's not anything new. yeah, I mean, um, the Rolling the Rolling Stones were famous for that. They took African-American blues mm-hmm. music, rhythm and blues music. They brought it to England. They, they, they put their British spin on it, and then they sold it back to the United States yeah. as something new. I mean, that, 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 was, that was exactly yeah. how so, it works. Um, the immediate, it says the immediate roots of rock and roll lay in rhythm and blues, then called race music. That's not my term. Don't come for us. That's just what it's called. And country music. So particularly jazz, blues, um, gospel, country, and folk. I do. I would have never thought, though, that um, 
I just find it weird that they're saying that rock and mu- rock and roll music is a hybrid of country and blues. But then when you think about it, it makes sense. Yeah, because because blues music is normally slower tempo and it's in a minor key and it's you know it's, it's you know you're you're singing about your, your your woes that's the blues and then country music typically is more up tempo and is often in a major key so if you mash those two things together you so get looking through this it says you know there's a lot of debate on where it comes from but we were onto something in the documentary film hail hail rock and roll keith richards we know keith richards has proposed that chuck berry developed mm-hmm. his brand of rock and roll by transposing the familiar to note lead of jump blues piano directly to an electric guitar so there you go yeah um so that's who i would probably say in my mind would be who invented it but back to the whole rock and we got off on a tangent there but if you're going to define what rock and roll is that's kind of the genre it comes from now if they could be trying to honor kind of that rhythm and blues background or maybe rock and roll hall of fame's not that popular anymore so they're just trying to market to a bigger crowd it could be. Or the other thing is that maybe they've just completely run out of artists to honor because by the time you got your Beatles and your Rolling Stones and your, all those iconic artists in there, you then move into your B grade artists and then your C grade artists. And then before you know it, you're inducting rap. And before you in. know it, Nickelback is being inducted. Don't come for me, Internet, please. <laughs> I don't know. Nickelback <laughs> in the I Rock and Roll Hall I- of Fame. I, I, mean, I don't know what your your Nickelback position is. I have nothing against okay, Nickelback. Okay, so let me say this, and this is going to be kind of funny. I am very open to most music. I don't have any certain genres that I can't stand. I'm not a big country person, but there are artists like I love Dolly Parton. I love Shania Twain. Um, I can listen to Brooks and Dunn, stuff like that. I like that kind of stuff. I can even get behind mm-hmm. some Alabama. My mom is a huge Alabama fan. That is somewhere I have been, Tim. So, like, there's, like, a huge Alabama, like, um, museum in Tennessee. Even their white limousine is out front. I remember taking pictures as a kid with my mom at the white limousine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a there's an Alabama theater in, yes. in Myrtle Beach. Right by the I've House never of been Blues. there, but I have heard of that. So don't tell my mother because she'll be she'll be hopping the next train. So I can listen to that kind of music. I can listen to anything from the Beach Boys to Rod Stewart to Chuck Berry and everything in between. The only genre yeah. of music that I can't stand, and this is where Nickelback comes in, is that genre of I don't know. There's a type of rock music that almost sounds whiny to me. It's like Hinder. Like the hinder of the world or like Nickelback mm-hmm. or that sound, almost like a th- three-day grace type sound. I can't do mm-hmm. it. I don't know what it is. It is the one genre of music that if you put on, I really can't stand it. I would rather listen to Justin Bieber first. That's how serious I am. <laughs> and I know like one song from Justin Bieber from five years ago. Not that I have anything against him. It's just not my thing. I don't believe in guilty pleasures and all that stuff. Let people like what they like. But that's the type of music that I just can't stand. Well, the only thing I would say about Nickelback, I mean, I, I, I don't I don't particularly dislike Nickelback. I have some of their albums in my collection. I got I've got no I did buy them from okay, thrift so shops. Ladies really and gentlemen. I didn't, I didn't, didn't, didn't pay full retail. <laughs> didn't pay more than a buck for them. But anyway, I do have some Nickelback <laughs> albums. The uh, the only thing I will say <clears throat> is that my wife many years ago went to um, see Nickelback at the House of Blues in Myrtle Beach because her and her friends used to go every summer. And regardless of who was playing in their tradition, they would go and okay. see who was on and one. 
one um, year they were there and Nickelback were playing. So they went to see Nickelback because they were following their tradition. And she was right near the front and she claims Chad Kroger has a freakishly massive head. And that was her takeaway. He has a big tongue. I've read, I've read that somewhere. I think it's very weird that he was married to Avril Lavigne for a long time. I thought that was incredibly random. I don't know why that was random to me. It just was. Uh, well, I think I don't think he was married to Avril Lavigne for very long. I don't know how long they were married for. I just know they were married at some point and then divorced. I think maybe they have a kid, but don't quote me on that. I, I don't know. I mean... I, I don't really have anything against Avril Lavigne. I mean, she's she's one of those sort of pop artists who it probably in the early stages of her career, her image and songs and et cetera, production, et cetera, was probably highly curated by what? the record company. And then and then she probably got you know, got successful and, and did very well for herself and then thought, hey, no, I'm a credible artist. I'm going to write my own music now. And then exactly. no one's heard of her so. since. What I was going to say is because for anyone listening, I am younger than Tim. Tim became an, Tim stopped um, being invested in the world in like what ninety four, ninety five, maybe. Oh, <laughs> ninety four. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. But in all seriousness, ninety ninety one, ninety two, maybe. Oh, I gave him a little extra there. So anyway, um, yeah. I grew up when Avril like first came out, right? And so the song Skater Boy is going to be the song everybody's heard from her. The song Complicated. We, those... I will say Complicated is a great song. And I've played Skater Boy in a band before, <laughs> just to say. So those two songs would have been like, you know, her top two hits when you first got. And um, that, hey, hey, you, you, I don't like your girlfriend. I don't know what the name of it is. That's just the way it sounds. Anyway, so with that being <laughs> said, I I enjoyed her back in the day, but I was also you know, 13 years old. So it did speak to me, but she was definitely highly marketed. She was the one, she kind of played the, you know, the girl who would have a skater boy girlfriend, that alternative girlfriend, maybe girlfriend, boyfriend, um, that, you know, that alternative kind of thing. But looking back now as an adult, it was definitely faked. It was not, it didn't really fit her very well. Um, And Mm -hmm. I have this theory on musicians and I call it the Britney Spears theory. So here's what I think, or let me restate this, the Miley Cyrus theory or any of them. So Mm -hmm. first of all, I love Britney, free Britney. I'm part of free Britney. With that being said, um, they almost, or Lady Gaga is a good example of this. So what I think they do, and this kind of plays into what Tim was saying about Avril Lavigne, is they put out a bunch of pop music that will make them popular. And sometimes mm-hmm. it works for some of them and sometimes it doesn't. So they'll put out all this massive amounts of pop music that they want, right, to become popular. All three of those are people who did that. In Britney's case, she ended up having what I, you know, a mental breakdown and, you know, shaved her head and hit a paparazzi. But she had a lot of stuff going on outside of that. She'd been doing it for a very young age. And they really were kind of abusing her in a way. Just that. But then sure. she tried to build herself up afterwards and she ended up having to go back to the old Britney, the old Britney Spears, because her music that she wanted to produce, because it's actually proven they made Britney sing in a different voice. That whiny baby cry is not her natural voice. She doesn't sing like that. Sure. Um, Lady Gaga put out a bunch of like that poker face kind of sounds. And then once she mm-hmm. finally got that, got her foot in the door, you know, her music sort of shifted to what she wanted to do. 
Um, she still does kind of a mm-hmm. pop music, but it's much more um, less kind of like what you top 20, I would say. And you notice her career has kind of dived off a little bit. You don't. Yeah, she's still popular. She had a good album this year, but it's not like the height of what it was. And Marlis Diaries did the same thing. She literally went crazy on TV. Um, you know, and she was made fun of for some of her performances that were over the top. But then she came out like this year with that song Malibu and stuff that were much more tame. And you can tell. And I hate the song The Climb, but, you know, it's one of her biggest songs and a lot of people like it. Um, so I have a theory that that's what happens with a lot of artists. And so you're probably right on the money with Avril Lavigne. It's all about marketing. And I call it the Britney Spears. And you'll see it, especially in female artists. I hate to say this, but it seems to be generated much more in female artists than in male artists. Um do you know what? It's funny you should say that. I was listening to a Pointer Sisters album the other day when I bought in a thrift shop. Yeah, Pointer, absolutely yeah, fantastic. I think we made, we've spoken about them before. Neutron Dance, Jump. I mean, great songs, absolutely great songs. And you look in the credits, they're all taking a lead vocal on different songs. I'm not sure if they were the writers of those songs. I, I can't remember. But I think they were involved in the process, but I don't know if they were the writers. Yeah. Great, great voices. And I remember I remember when I had the album in my hand, I showed it to Hannah and I said, I said, you know what's really tragic? I said, this record wouldn't happen today. I said, none of these people mm-hmm. are model attractive. And I said, that well, is so there sad. There was a, a woman, and I cannot, it might have been one of the women who sang on It's Raining Men. Marsha, ah, don't come for me, and I can't remember this lady's name. She sings on some songs in the 90s. Um, like uh, CNC mm-hmm. factory type music. I don't know all of it off the top of my head, but that kind of sound. She does some of the back vocals that, you know, are very high and usually pretty technically difficult. She, they actually replaced her physically in the music videos with a different person. Because <laughs> if you know the women who sang It's Raining Men, they're, she was heavy set. I think it's her. Don't quote me, but there is a woman that was famous in the early kind of that kind of time frame. And when she sang the backup vocals mm-hmm. for like that CNC music, factory type music, they replaced her. They body swapped her with no. someone who was significantly <laughs> younger, smaller and fit the bill. Well, they, well that's, that's like Millie Vanilli. I mean, the... Um... Millie, Millie Vanilli, the Millie Vanilli. They had the look. They were a couple of slim, attractive, athletic-looking guys that were that were appealing to people, and they couldn't sing for toffee, so they had a couple of session guys come in and sing all those parts. Mm-hmm. And they and, and it, no, they were the ones that I remember, like when they got found out. Everybody thought it was some big thing, and I was like, well, I mean, it probably could have been obvious if any of us looked. And then there was like. Jessica Simpson's little sister, Ashley Simpson. Remember, she went on SNL and got mm-hmm. caught lip singing the wrong song, and she was only on there because she looked her because she was Jessica Simpson's little sister. Let's be honest. But the worst thing about that is she, she threw her band. I under know the bus. she apparently was very rude. I remember hearing that because the band kept going. Yeah, I think I think her exact her exact line was like, "My my band played the wrong song," and she like now under the bus. You know what was iconic? And we're going to talk about lip singers, which this really took a cat turn, but it's fine. You know Mariah Carey's famous uh, New Year's Eve uh, performance. We all do. And she was up there and she. Yes, yes, so yes. I love Mariah. And Mariah used to be able to sing 
a lot. And there's a lot of theories about what happened to Mariah's voice. She she did a lot of things that vocally could cause vocal nodules. She didn't, you know, use proper techniques and things like that. People who use a lot of um, mm-hmm. who don't. But what's interesting is when you listen to her, it doesn't sound like she's doing that because people use a lot of head voice uh, versus chest voice. Head voice, when you kind of like flip into your falsetto, will help preserve your vocal cords. But if you're pulling from your chest a lot, it tends to make them kind of rub together and make that kind of screechy noise. She never actually did that. What got her was um, the whistle tones. Apparently, they're very hard on your enough. But also, I heard that she did a bunch of she would, took some hormones for some physical things that were going on. And apparently, if females take hormones, especially ones that might have testosterone on it, it can affect your vocal cords as well. But I will give this to Mariah. She stood up there and she did what she could do and didn't miss a beat in the sense that she did not let it stray her and she did not throw anybody under the bus. Just saying, just saying <laughs> she couldn't hear. She swears she couldn't hear anything. And it could be very likely she couldn't hear anything. Let's be honest. Some type of sound issue, whatever. <laughs> but she stood up there. She did the dance. She didn't say a lick. And she said at the end she wanted her tea and left. So good for Mariah Carey. Well, well, there you go. And, and stuff like that is easy to happen. I mean, I've performed on big stages. And when if you don't have your own sound and you don't have the guy who normally sets it all up for you, and then you do a sound check and everything's fine, and then you go to play, and then you find something mm-hmm. has changed. And then you, and then in a, and I could see in a, in a live broadcast situation how that could happen because you're live and it's not like you can stop the song and say, oh, can I have some more vocal in one monitor and can I put a bass drum in the. Yeah. So, so you you just have to roll with it and see what happens. So I can see how that could yeah, even at that no, level. No, percent. But that's I, that I mean that's happen. just one of those things. I, the funniest one that's ever happened to me, Tim, was I was in Cats the Musical. I played Ginny Annie Dots, and the girl who played Grizabella had put had mic'd up a little too soon before her grand, and so she started talking backstage, mic'd up, and the entire audience heard her conversation. I'm not going to go into detail what it was about. But it was right when I was on stage <laughs> doing my little dance number with the little mice. And needless to say, that was a very awkward experience. Yeah, that, that's the end. I the, the, also the, had yeah. a shoe fly off and hit an audience member once during um, a dance scene in The Wizard of Oz. And then I had, because well, a lot of the times whenever you do, like if you do small parts, see, if you've ever watched the um, Broadway version of The Wizard of Oz, the, the trees sing and dance and do all kinds of stuff. They actually have like a bigger part than what you see, you know, in the movie where they just throw apples. So mm-hmm. when I say I was a tree, I mean, I was a singing, dancing tree. But <laughs> I also when we did the poppy scene with the dancing flowers, I was a flower in the background and my shoe flew off and hit somebody in the face. And that I was kind of funny. But the one time I broke character was when I was the singing, dancing tree. The flying monkeys came running in. And one of them, because it's a big monkey suit, his feet slipped and he fell. And I mean, he smacked the stage hard. And it looked like one of those banana peel, like falls like in a movie. And I mean, I laughed for 10 minutes straight. I couldn't help it. There was a no keeping character. It was the best. And to this day, those things are kind of what makes funny stories now when stuff like that happens live music live (laughs) shows weird stuff happens guys it's gonna happen well, I tell you, I mean, I uh, typically in, in 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 pre-pandemic times, I play music every weekend. And, you know, I like playing music. I like I like playing the guitar. All that stuff is great. But it's the shenanigans that, you, that keeps it you really interested. Is. And no, no, no audience is ever the same. 
No, absolutely not. And like you said, you roll into some place you've never played before. You don't know those people. You don't know what's going on. And in fact, the, the best the best thing is that when you play some. Well, I've played I've played in bands that do weddings, weddings and, and parties and stuff like that. And you roll into some place and in some big tent that they've put up, and it's someone's wedding or someone's special anniversary or birthday or something. And there's all these people that know each other and have in jokes and things that you don't know about. And you're plonked in the middle of someone else's universe. And I don't know. I, I, I enjoy that. That's a very interesting way of thinking of it. I've never really thought about that, but that makes sense. As most of mine has been mostly like on in shows. I haven't done um, like really live music in the sense that you have, but yeah, it would be. And it's probably really interesting to see everything going on around you at a wedding. I really think it'd be fun to DJ weddings personally. I think that would be hilarious. Um, but yeah. And then, but then also I would imagine that like, you probably have some very specific memories in your mind though, even though there's so much going on, you can think of very specific moments like I did that kind of just make it all hilarious. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's, there's a hundred and one stories I can think of and maybe 99 of them. I probably didn't tell <laughs> Pre-pandemic, when we were, <laughs> so me and Ted worked together. We used to have a, a famous lunch room that I was a co-president of for a while, even though I didn't even run. Um, <laughs> with that being said, pre-pandemic, we used to actually be able to eat in the lunch room with our friends. And Tim had a lot of moose lodge stories that would be hilarious. Um, we would have to put an explicit <laughs> wording on some of these, but they are pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly in West Virginia. Yeah, always, always in West, West Virginia. Virginia. <laughs> but anyway, back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Joy, I think we're oh. almost at the end of our podcast. I think we've we've gone, we started with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and then we ended up about Brittany. And then I think um, Avril Lavigne was in there. And then at the end, we were talking about shenanigans at Moose Lodge. What, what, a, what a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, this is what you get if you want to subscribe. It's just going to be a lot of like roller coasters. <laughs> there you go and then we will and we will be back next week for some more fun and games thank you for tuning in thank you goodbye goodbye